Welcome to Study Buddy, meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, a resident teacher at Konalani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. All right, so we can start with just a little bit of Sanskrit here. Sort of a mouthful, these, these last, next two sutras are almost like sentences. They're just very different uh, than the previous ones. Chitta, stiti, vacha, rira, karana, payasu. You just try it, you get better each time. Chitta, stiti, vacha, rira, karana, payasu. The awareness of God consciousness should not only be infused into that state where your mind is establishing one pointedness, i.e. on the cushion, but it should also be infused in the establishment of the yogi's body, in their actions, and in their external objective world. Bringing your practice into your life, you know, to put it simply. Um, and so we had, a, uh, I think, a, a pretty cool um, segue or, or, or path into this because just bringing the practice into your life absolutely always going to be there but we we sort of got some uh insight from Kashmir shaivism the introduction if you looked at the pocket sutra and also from babaji's words that were basically telling us that um we might depend i'll just paraphrase here for babaji's quote we might depend on our senses to exist in reality, but that there's a place those senses are coming from that we can actually infuse ourselves into just as easily as we do our senses. Uh, and so um, anybody, Usha, you look like you're right up near the screen. Can you just read this quote from Babaji to kick us off and then we'll let that take us into the focal point. Uh, okay. We depend heavily on our five senses to survive in this existence. Our orientation always begins with the senses, but there is a place inside of us where these senses are activated and where the energy behind them exists. When we function from that place, which is quite different from the place from which we normally experience the world, we start to see harmony and symmetry in life. We begin to understand what energy is all about. I think people who can focus their attention on what they are doing are able to accomplish great things. I think people who can focus internally are able to do even greater things. Sri Shah Bhavananda. Thanks, Usha. So, you know, just one way of incorporating this was just this question, this focal point for the week, how how do you actually do this? And there's so many ways we can try it, but how do you accomplish this zooming out to find the space behind the words that you're saying, behind the thought, behind the actions, the space behind your experience? Um, and, and how does that actually help you navigate your life? Because as we saw from Intro to Kashmir Shaivism, they had a really cool example um, that basically likened this to when you lose one of your senses, that energy goes, we all know this one, goes into the other senses, right? It's like we've all heard that and it's fascinating. That's because your energy isn't locked into the sense of hearing or sense of sight. Your energy is coming from some other place, a, 
a bigger place and it can funnel down into these avenues or if one gets closed off it can redirect and go out to this other avenue even more profusely and so that was an example of why doing this zooming out helps us as babaji says see what's possible see what's possible because when we have our energy in that slightly detached space it can flow down the avenue that's most needed in any situation so you know sit with that for a moment glance at your your pocket sutra if you have any notes from the week this is sort of the time we have to just sort of be with that and and see if anyone had any questions or any any comments on that work all right bob thanks all right well i am i'm thinking about uh, two different things one is um the Sight behind sight, for example, um, you know, you see things through the senses of sight, but also you can see things sometimes very clearly um, just with your mind. If, you know, if you're if you're pondering a problem or something like that, and and a, a, a sense or a an inner flash will appear to you um, that helps you solve a problem. I think everybody has that once in a while. Um, uh, also, there's uh, the sense of hearing behind hearing. And um, for me, I often mentioned how listening to the own sound for me will allow me to step back from what else my senses and the, the outer world are, are trying to get me hooked into. And if I do uh, listen for that sound that is not in the ears, but behind the ears or, uh, gosh, how to explain it. Anyway, is the, the own sound that Often, if I'm in a situation where I, it's possible to get into an argument, if I listen to the um sound, it pulls the energy out of my outward senses and allows me to remain quiet long enough that I don't get hooked into the outer world. Mm. And I, I find that to be a very, very useful a tool. Mm. Nice. Yeah, I like the how you, you sort of broaden that understanding it's if we can stay if we can work with this in any capacity it, it just limits the amount of hooks there are to, to sort of pull us externally um there's nothing wrong with the external world i mean that's like this 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 constant concept we're trying to come to terms with but there is something about being pulled into every distraction that we can all recognize as being quite exhausting. And so when we're able to use any tool that just gives us that ability to, to hear something a little bit bigger, like how you were saying that ohm sound gives you that, that space, that little bit of space, which is actually the topic of the next sutra. And that gives us this opportunity to direct our energy. You know, suddenly we at least are making this conscious choice. Are we going in? Or are we going out? 
you know? And so when we're able to do this little bit of surrendering via our senses, um, we can make that choice. Otherwise, we're, we just tend to get pulled out. I mean, it's just like a current, you know, just really strong. Sight behind sight, sound behind sound. Yeah, and you're like, how do I describe it? Yeah, I know, right? You know, sight behind sight, from a scientific perspective, you know, we know that the, for example, the parasympathetic nervous system is uh, stimulated would actually, which actually means we feel calm. So the word stimulate is funny there. Uh, when you can see the peripheral vision, can you see the peripheral vision in the room that you're in? You know, can you see, you can see the screen, it's not done disappear, but can you also, can you see this, this wider space? And this gives you just a taste of what the yogis are talking about with the, the power of vision, the power of seeing how that offers us this opportunity. And it's like, you can feel how it's actually quite challenging to keep your attention. Can you keep that peripheral vision going? Like it keeps wanting to narrow, right? I don't know if you're anything like me, just it keeps wanting to narrow. And I can feel there's this like, almost like constant, subtle power to like, yep, keep peripheral, keep that wide space. And so if you can taste it visually by just doing that practice, you know, that's the direction we're talking about. Radharani. Hey, so um, what you're saying is interesting because I was thinking about the senses a lot. And sometimes it's like, well, you get drawn out with the senses but sometimes the senses and it is kind of like a question is this what we're talking about in this a little bit of like this is where i was going this last week is like sometimes the senses if i can focus on them in the right way as you were saying that peripheral vision it takes me out of my mind and they bring me to the present more so i was going on a really long hike last weekend and it's really easy to just get lost in your head when you're hiking because you're just yeah it's beautiful and everything but you're just walking in a path and it's just so long it was a really long hike <laughs> it was like a five-hour hike and it's like i was like what if i how how can i stay present and not in my head you know it's like it's and then i started like listening we were walking by the by the creek right and just that peripheral for vision that you're talking about, but in, in hearing, just like just hearing. Or just trying to see without just focusing on one thing. It helped me get out of my head. So I wonder, is that what they're talking about when they're talking about kind of like trying to hook into the power behind the senses? Because it felt like it really drawn, drew me out of my head mm -hmm. and drew me present more which was interesting so I was like is this what they're talking about here you know behind the senses being there being a power absolutely yeah thank you that's a, a great example a real life example you know uh I mean Bob's is real life example too that was just a really sort of like simple everyday like the sound of the river 
these sounds that are steady, you know, the sound of uh, like here we have the Bodhi tree, it's like constantly flapping in the wind. And like, if you can just hold your awareness on the sounds of the present, yeah, absolutely. That's like similar to the ohm sound, you know, but possibly a stepping stone. You know, I honestly can't just tap into the ohm sound anytime all day. I know some people have that gift and that's their connection. I mean, it's there, there's no doubt, sometimes much easier than others, but there's a sound of the present that's definitely occurring all around us. Um, it was one of my favorite meditations. And so you found an opening right there. And what I love, and then I saw Dandy's hands went up, so she'll, and feel free to chime in anybody else. What I really love is that you you felt, you worked your way to that answer from a feeling of limitation. And that's what it's all about. Like we're given these like paths in philosophy. And it's like, sometimes, you know, just like there isn't the inspiration. Yeah, you're like, ah, okay, that sounds interesting. But like when you're in your life, there's inspiration because you're like, I don't want to just be locked in my thoughts for the next five hours. And so you're like, I got to find a solution. And it's like, there's, you found it just based on like, how do I find the present? And it, your senses even helped you, helped lead you, right? Helped lead you in that direction. So Dandy, I think wanted to chime in. Let me just uh, mute here. One second. And. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Um, yeah, something that you were just talking about actually reminded me of a meditation that sometimes I try to practice whenever I'm going on a hike. Um, it's just kind of, you know, we have this tendency to like label everything like, oh, look, that's an oak tree. Look, that, look at that green thing. Look at that bird. I wonder if I know the name of that, you know, just this labeling. Um, I've tried to get out of that to where I'm just being in the essence, like not even thinking of that as an oak tree, not even thinking of it as a tree, just walking and just being, using like this zooming out, zooming out, that word kind of reminds me of like looking at things from almost like a bird's eye point of view, um, but not this like human tendency that we all have. I do it too, especially here in Hawaii. There's so many plants that we like to you know, point out. Um, but then that just kind of goes on this tangent of, oh, well, that one's invasive or this one. Oh, I heard about a story from this. You know, it just kind of is never ending. Um, I totally get that. And so I've just practiced just trying to walk and just see everything like a child would see it. Like they don't know the names of all these things. They're just like, wow, <laughs> I'm in the forest. I mean, if you even want to call it that, just being with the energy of everything. And the other thing I wanted to say was um, the word space. I think I remember Faith saying that Kali also represents space. Um, she is like a space holder. And so it kind of just makes me think like, instead of hyper-focusing, you know, maybe someone, for me personally, it's like maybe someone said something and I'm like trying to think, what does that mean? you know, and, and just going, but if I zoom out, like, what would Kali be thinking right now? You know, she's just like, you're in an ashram, <laughs> you're expanding, you're washing a dish, just let it be, you know, I don't know, it's just kind of getting out of that lizard brain. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Thanks, Dandy. Yeah, I know that practice you you put some time in on that practice in the woods that's pretty cool you're able to share that and 
and he probably just had a recent opportunity to do that at volcano it's pretty awesome yeah it's a great witness practice you know to just see everything fresh and then um yeah the idea of, of space actually is the the topic of the next sutra and, and they do tie together about if you can find that space and you can sort of hold that space of awareness um as we as babaji was saying in this quote you know you sort of see what's possible you're able to detach from the limited you know uh, previous ways that we've handled similar situations you're able to see new possibilities and it's funny you said the reptilian brain you know it's true it's like the one that's just a just trying to get out get figure this solution figure this situation out you know instead getting to that that slightly you know more expansive awareness that you can even say like stands a little higher on the ground you know that has a little bit more horizon line to choose from one more minute uh, anyone else want to chime in on this on Sutra Yogita? Uh, unmute. Okay, I got Great. it. Okay. Well, as most of you know, I just got over a 10-day um, COVID thing, and I got my. I, I wanted to talk about my my sense of my my sight. I, my eyes got so bad burning, I just had to close them and go inside. And now I'm, I'm getting, my eyes are okay. And I'm seeing things that I never saw before. It's like everything is so much more vivid. I was out in the garden today and I saw trees and stuff and I was cleaning my apartment and I saw stuff that, I don't know, it, it's become more keen or something. I don't know, it's just the uh -huh. observation. Absolutely. <laughs> everything just is, is like Bob is sad if you haven't tasted something for a while and then you taste it everything's just so much more vivid <laughs> thanks Yogita it's such a cool uh, silver lining to your experience and it really does just tie right in you know we step back from these the experiences that we sort of cling to and they actually become more vivid you know, if you step back from it over a period of time, it's like very obvious, but even just on a daily basis, it would seem to imply that when we're in that slightly more expansive space, the experiences are more pronounced. Nice. Cool. So we'll um, transition uh, to doing a little bit of tension release to make some room, make some space for our next sutra. Uh, so feel free to adjust your seat. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with the practice, you know, dive right in. Otherwise, I'll give um, some instruction. Fingertips just barely touching the floor, floating off the floor a little bit, out to the side, shoulders relaxed. There is a, a, a pretty sizable pranayama aspect to this experience, almost similar to the square breath, in that we're going to inhale for five to seven or even 10 seconds, picturing this vivid, uh, perfect prana flowing into the heart. And then attempting to hold the breath there in the heart for that same length of time. You don't want to feel any stress, of course, but that holding of the breath, that samana vayu, that, that digesting aspect allows that prana to do its work so that when you exhale, you can really release it through, from the heart, down the shoulders and out the arms as a smoky or ashy substance. And you can even pause after that exhale and just sort of hold that moment for just a breath, you know, just a moment. 
and then let it pour back in. Try it again. You never want to feel any stress in your breathing, but it's good to just experiment with really paying attention to the quality of your inhale, to the quality of the space that you hold in between the breaths as the heart expands and the prana can really move through you, collecting all that debris, and the quality of your exhale, feeling that full, complete exhale, which is so commonly overlooked, science has shown and the yogis have known. And then that pause after the exhale. And just do one or maybe two more on your own. After that last exhale, whenever you get to it, no rush, flicking out the fingertips, wiping off the arms. And we'll dive into our next sutra. Abhi Lasad Bahir Gati Samba Yasya. Abhi Lasad Bahir Grati Sambayasya. Try it on your own once. All right, here we go. Due to the insatiable and insistent desire to fill that gap in their nature, the yogi, their flow and movement are toward the objective world, not subjective consciousness. And so they are carried from one birth to another. Insatiable and insistent desire to fill that gap. We flow towards objects, not towards consciousness. And that flow is what carries us from one birth to another. So in this sutra, we'll see the sort of um, timeless teaching that crosses so many practices and religions uh, that there's this little hole, there's a gap, it's called in the sutra. There's a, there's a, some kind of a feeling of incompleteness that does reside within us. And it's impossible to fill. As the sutra says, this gap is insatiable, okay, unquenchable, and it's insistent, meaning it's always tapping on your shoulder. There's no taste, face, or place that can fill it. And in fact, the harder we try to fill this gap, with object awareness, with objects of our life, uh, the more exhausted we get. And even good experiences uh, are eventually consumed by this space, 
inside of us. Swami Rujananda once said that we abhor this space, that we try to throw it away in the garbage, in the alley. We want to get rid of it. He said, but in fact, this feeling of incompleteness can become and is our greatest ally in growth because it's how we work with that feeling that determines our experience of reality, that determines our growth, you know, that that's, that's where it all pivots around. So it's nothing you want to throw out or fight against or anything. We actually really want to learn how to, um, how to relate to it consciously. And so that's where we'll jump in to the sutra. So got a few different excerpts from the sutra to read aloud. Gita, great to see you. I'm looking forward to the upcoming training with you. So excited. If you want to read this first excerpt. Okay. This yogi feels there is a gap in their nature of being. Because of this feeling of incompletion, a desire arises within them to fill their nature of being. And so to accomplish the fulfillment of their desire, they direct their attention toward the objective world and not subjective consciousness. And so just like a beast, they are carried from one birth to another, from one death to another. Thanks, Gita. Mm -hmm. All right. So it's a nice sort of re, re, you know, paraphrasing, rephrasing of our work. And um, just to get a little bit more technical, to look a little bit deeper into the nature of this gap, uh, we're given uh, some insight um, from like sort of like the physics of yoga. Uh, Anandama, do you want to read this? short and sweet excerpt that tries to tell us a little bit about this gap. But I had a question too, but sure. I'll, I can... so in this quote from Svach Ananda Tantra, we are told Anava Mala, which has appeared by perceiving one's own self as incomplete is ignorance, avidya. Because of this Anava Mala desire, Abhilasha arises and one is carried outside to the external world and not to the internal world of spirituality. Thank you and go for it. What's your question? Can this also happen as you're maturing spiritually and you start to see the separation like in the witness state and then it feels sometimes I've been feeling sort of a little um, <laughs> trying to find the words like empty, like, oh, that's not who I am, but then who am I? And I'm feeling like I want to fill it with this external. And I've been doing just more mantra to go in. So I hope that makes sense. Is it possible that is that what's can that happen also as you're growing and you're starting to be more in that witness state and it's uncomfortable state maybe it's not known so it's like oh i need to fill it like if you clean out yeah. a room you want to fill the room because you're not used to having an empty space i i believe i i personally think yes i i don't think that the sutras are describing 
I think that the sutras are telling, are describing a facet of our reality that is impelling us to act outwardly, or it can compel us to act inwardly. Like this gap is there. It's not like it's, 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 it's like um, Shiva uh, has has this cloak where it's like it's just absolutely essential that when Shiva manifests as reality that we cannot perceive Shiva in the physical reality that there's this like little bit of a separation there and I feel like as you're your before you start practicing, you're feeling this gap and you're just jumping from it and hoping you sort of land in a positive spot or you're exhausting yourself by feeling it. But as you become, and, and this is just speaking from my experience, um, as you become more aware of it, it's not like you're like, oh, there never was a gap. I think it's almost like, oh, that was the space of my awareness. That's the space of the witness that's where i am okay you know so it's like before we were almost like pushing it away and now you're sort of you know come i would assume that our practice is bringing us closer and closer to that space and then um and then bob go for it and i just want to just say about this quote so anava mala is basically this concept that um that in all of manifestation, there exists this gap, this, this feeling of incompleteness uh, that can only be sort of quote unquote filled um, through, through practice or through awareness, that there's no physical way to fill this gap um, and that it's a necessity of reality. It's not like a, something got missed. It's actually just like it's built in for the fabric. So go for it, Bob. Yeah, I was just um, thinking about Rudy talking about the wish to grow and how it comes upon one as one gets to the place where one begins to distrust the outer world, uh, at least from in my own experience as a young man. It was like I got to the place where I did not trust the outside world or the shiny things to do it for me anymore. And so this void appears and the void kind of becomes the wish to grow. And then if you're lucky, you meet someone who triggers in you the ability to see it as the wish to grow. And uh, I think that's another way of looking at this. Thanks, Bob. That's a really powerful uh, perspective. I saw a couple of hands. I respond to that real quick, and then Gita, you're right up. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really that's such a powerful moment for everybody to just sort of breathe into, you know, because there was a time before you found your practice when you were really like you you simultaneously could feel this gap, but you filled it with this yearning to like find what you knew was there and uh, i can definitely recall you know that experience and and it's not like it's a linear process but i think that you really brought to light like a very sort of core 
experience of seeking is that it does sort of come from that feeling of incompleteness. And so it's not a bad thing. It's actually the beginning of our practice, Gita. Well, I think when you're talking about that this gap resides in all of us, uh, yes. And I think that most of us uh, originally or initially try to fill it with some uh, substance addictions. I mean, that, and um, whether it's drugs, alcohol, shopping, it doesn't matter. And then that wish to grow somehow that we've reached a tipping point and we start turning in. But until we hit that tipping point, uh, human nature is to fill it externally. And we call that in the external world an addiction. Right. It has to be an addiction, right? Because it's insatiable, this gap. So it leads to that level of a relationship to any object. And yeah, you named a few. Thanks, Gita. And Dandy, were you wanting to follow up on any of that or? Something um, that I kind of pick, picked up on um, from the last slide, it said something about birth. And to me, um, I feel like I mean, probably for all of us, this is the most inward that we've ever been was like in the womb space. I mean, it's like just this void, this dark vastness of just all you are is awareness. Like you don't have clothes, you don't even have a name yet. You're just a soul that's being created. And as soon as you're birthed, it's like, you're just kind of filling your life. It's like, do you want this toy? And then as you get older, it's like, okay, now to go to school, got to fill my head with all the things. And then you graduate and it's like, got to get a job, got to fill my time, you know, got to get an apartment to fill it with furniture. You know, it's just like always filling this, this gap that we felt since we were the most inward we've ever felt, which is like in the womb space. And I feel like for me personally, whenever I've gone into the witness state and I've touched that in meditation, it does feel almost like the womb space within myself of just kind of this vast, dark, void and it does feel uncomfortable because it's not what we've been conditioned since the time we were born but um, I find just kind of trying to breathe into that comfortability filling that gap with the breath um, is nice <laughs> thanks Dandy yeah I think you really bring up a good sort of I could really feel when you're talking that that you know, that palpable uh, experience of how you work with the discomfort and how it's like something that we're, we're not trained to work with and that you really do have to find your own way through it. Thank you. Thanks. We've got a couple more minutes. Conversation is, is really going well. I did have one more slide from Baba G that I, I thought I'd share with us. Because it sort of gives us some direction for the for the week. Um, this will all be in the Pocket Sutra, of course. Um, but let's see. Eldo, do you want to read this? Anybody who wants to, you know, if you can see it, okay. Okay. Um, I'm very careful 
I'm a master of energy conservation. I don't follow my mind and emotions because I understand that where your mind goes, there your energy goes. If you're looking at a person or thing and you're thinking about it, projecting your what ifs and how comes on it, that means you have opened a channel between you and that thing you're looking at, so your energy is flowing out. On the other hand, if you look at something and you find your, find your center in yourself and you're balanced and your awareness is internalized, it is like watching a movie and you see more truthfully what the manifestations mean. Thanks, Shatila. So this is from Babaji, of course, as you saw at the top. And it's just, it, it just sort of helped me see a little bit more practically, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, um, how managing this space uh, determines sort of where our energy goes, um, that when we feel that space inside, that's one, one experience. But then there's also times when we're, we can feel like a Radharani was saying that how the mind is contracting or how Dandy was saying in the, in, on the hike, you know, identifying these plants, we can feel that I'm just continually making these relationships and my energy is definitely flowing this direction. Um, but, but if we're able to recognize and sort of create that space, remember, this is just the next sutra. So yes, it definitely calls upon the last sutra. This is sort of where our conversation was going earlier. When we can make that space inside, um, you can, as Babaji said in the last sutra's quote, you know, you can start to get a sense of like energy, what it is. And in this one, he says, you can get a sense of sort of where it's flowing. He says, uh, so your energy, he says, you can see if your energy is flowing out or if you can direct your energy within. And so this gap, is a is a is almost like a a space that directs the energy. It's it's almost like it's it's not a thing itself. It's a it's a space for you and your awareness to direct. Um, and so I think for me, a lot of times it might come up when I'm like, for example, if you ever feel there's two ways I've been relating to this. One is when you feel the space and you try to fill it with something, like let's say you're just you know, tired at the end of the day and you just feel like you're scrolling and you're just filling thing, you know, what's the next thing? And I'm too, you know, you can just feel how you're just trying to fill it, fill it, fill it. Or the other hand is when you're so busy, you can't feel the space. When you're so stressed, you, you can't feel space inside and so in both cases it's like we have to start relating to this space this space of awareness and the way that we relate to that ends up determining our experience you know in that moment so that's sort of where we're going to leave off um, and where we'll pick up um, with the conversation next week we're going to meditate now uh, and so hopefully you you do have a comment or a question that's bubbling up and that will inspire your work for the week so feel free to adjust your seat
All right. And so starting with our physical seat, not to be overlooked. When Babaji talks about finding a balanced point to sit on, you know, I believe he, he's intending for us to feel a spaciousness in our seat. So if your seat feels condensed, if it feels tight in any way, see if you can find a way to move out of that tightness. Feel the shoulders light over the ribs, the neck and head floating over the shoulders. The slightest tuck in the chin, just so slight, and the slightest upward pressure of the tongue. That hugging in of your postural core, not the superficial, just that gentle hugging around the midsection that keeps you upright, but capable of breathing fully in a relaxed way. This is the kind of space that we hopefully can maintain not only in our seat, but you know, even when we're standing and moving throughout our day. And this space that you create physically is what allows you to interact with the next layer of your being, the breath. Without that space, I don't know how you'd get there. So from this physical space, we feel the breath. At first, the breath does feel, you know, a, a bit contracted usually. We tend to breathe into the top third of our lungs. And so even bringing a little bit of a conscious attention to the middle ribs or lower ribs, the even the lower back, almost the kidney areas. And just trying to feel a little bit more space for your breath. You know, the lungs don't have muscles to themselves. They actually just follow the space around them. And so when you make a little space, that's actually how you allow the lungs to expand. And working with the actual flow of your breath. This is the next layer of sensitivity. In the flow of your breath, you will first feel your own grip. Most of the time, that's where we start from. The push and the pull 
but try to feel a, a space that opens up that the inhale sort of is drawn into that pulls the breath from the nose down the throat to the heart or the navel. And then as you exhale, you can feel that downward sort of upon a value, that downward flowing space. And these are almost like vacuous, where they draw your breath down into them. And it helps you detach a little from the effort of breathing. And allow that exhale to just draw you naturally down towards the navel. Be very light with your effort. Feel your breath and your energy naturally draw in to the nose, the third eye, down towards the throat and the heart with that inhale. You draw in almost magnetically or vacuously. And as you exhale, let that awareness just draw easily, effortlessly down towards the navel again because it wants to go there, not because you tell it. This space has a flow to it. There is a flow happening within us. The practices of yoga are intended to help us find and go with that flow.
you can allow that inhale to draw all the way down to the navel. And as you exhale, deeply relaxing and releasing in that space, feeling that easy downward centering drawing of our energy right there in the navel. It doesn't go down below us. It sinks and gently expands in the navel. Experience yourself interacting skillfully with this space. It is within this space, this gap that we're working right now. Directing our energy inwards. Feel yourself relating to this space from the inside out. Imagine the navel, not at the surface on the skin, 
but all the way back inside by the spine. And allow your energy to be drawn here vacuously, magnetically, without push or pull. Feel that wish. as the force that draws your awareness here, allows it to expand gently and effervescently with your exhale. Imagine your breath has peripheral vision. You don't have to breathe harder to see to the edges of your breath. You don't have to breathe harder to, to breathe in a more expansive way. You just have to feel the periphery, the expansiveness that's already there. How can you feel that periphery of your breath?
Namaste, everyone. Hope you have a great week um, experimenting with that peripheral space of the breath or that space of awareness, space between activities, all those so many different ways to relate to this sutra. So look forward to the conversation next week. Uh, look for that pocket sutra. My goal would probably be by tomorrow afternoon to have that uploaded on Facebook. So thanks for your participation. Namaste. for listening and watching today. The merit of our practice today is dedicated to His Holiness Sri Shambhavananda. You should know that this production was done at Konalani Yoga Ashram, home to yoga and meditation teacher trainings online year-round. We'd like to just give special thanks to not only Sri Shambhavananda, but to Faith Stone for her opening artwork, for her teachings and constant inspiration, to our Sangha for their love and participation, making this class so special, uh, for Kirtana for her opening music, um, also to you for practicing today. Thank you so much for being a part of this production. Namaste.